your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk. A very busy Lacrosse Talk PM here on a Thursday. If you want to get in here, we're going to be a whirlwind. We got Grant in one studio who you're watching on Facebook Live. We've got Viterbo political science professor Keith Knutson from somewhere south of Lacrosse, and we've got me quarantined in another booth in the Midwest family building. Uh, who's who's here? Anyone present? Keith. Uh, I'm here, Rick. All right. State Senator Jennifer Schilling is kind of the big news today. She has announced she is not seeking a re-election. She's the Senate Minority Leader. Keith, how did that news hit you today as well as, you know, as, along with everyone else? How did that news hit you today? I was uh, very surprised. Her explanation is she wants to spend uh, more time with her family. And uh, I've, I've met uh, Jennifer, her husband, children. For the Democratic Party, I think this is a, a very significant loss. Uh, she, uh, as you said, was minority leader in the Senate and had been a, a, a very, I'm going to say, calming, authoritative uh, voice, someone who listened to people and was very interested in policy and not maybe engaging in the more vicious uh, politics of our day. So I'm very disappointed that she has chosen not to run for re-election, but if there are things for her to do with her family, then I say go ahead and do that. Brad did talk to Steve Doyle. I don't know a, a, a whole lot about his conversation but I do know that he said Steve Doyle is going to think about running for Jennifer Schilling's spot for that that state Senate seat. Steve Doyle, obviously, an assemblyman out of the Onalaska area. Is that right, Keith? Is that the best that, way to say that's that? That's right, yep. Um, and Steve Doyle, you know, he, would you say he's he's the, one of the top candidates? If you were just cherry-picking people from around here that have some name recognition, would he be one of the top five guys? Are there, are there men or women out there that you would you would like to also see run for that spot? Well, I, I would certainly think Steve Doyle would be a, a, a prime candidate. He's uh, won election in that, that northern assembly district of the state senate uh, district. Uh, I'm not sure how many times, but uh, that was uh, uh, Mike Hipsch's seat for uh, some number of years. Doyle has shown himself to be uh, someone who can work with uh, the Republican majority and get things done. Uh, uh, I would say uh, it. From what I observed, he and Jennifer Schilling uh, got along uh, quite well. So I think he might be someone who would aspire to that seat in the in the tradition of Jennifer Schilling. Um, elsewhere around uh, you know around the nation, do you have any other names that you would think like? We're at, obviously, we didn't talk to any of these people, but you know we're blowhards on the radio, so we like to to be uh, you know to throw out some names that we think. You know, as a political science professor at Viterbo, you probably have some name, names in, in your mind that you would like, you know what, that, this person would be a good person that would to run for that seat, aside from Doyle. Well, Rick, I, I really resemble that remark about being a blowhard. Um, <laughs> I'm the blowhard. And I, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure Eric would agree with that. <laughs> Eric, call in and support me, brother. Um, well, of course, J- uh, Jill Billings, uh, representing uh, pretty much the, the city of La Crosse, wins by big majorities, but her district is primarily, um, uh, well, it, it, it tends to Democratic. Uh, I think Jill Billings would be another name if we're thinking of elected uh, uh, officials. Mm-hmm. So those are, the, those are the two elected candidates. Um, and uh, uh, I think uh, for, for any other candidate, one of the challenges would be that, uh, getting into this race a little bit late now. June is the filing deadline, somewhere in June. Um, but, of course, it's, it then becomes a matter of raising money, uh, uh, acquiring name recognition, 
um, having voters comfortable with the person who is the candidate, the comfort level with uh, Jennifer, of course, was was quite high. Uh, four years ago, she won the race by only 56 votes in a in a in a, a recount. Um, so, whoever the Democratic nominee is going to be now, it's going to be a challenging race for that that Democrat against uh, an old hand uh, who held the seat previously, defeated by Jennifer in the recall election. What six years ago? Seven years ago? Something yeah, two thousand like two thousand eleven. During that the Act Ten legislation, there was a recall on Dan Kapenke in which uh, Jennifer Schilling won. Which was that's that's yeah. pretty interesting. I, I would say. Yeah, you know, that was that, uh, that was the only uh, Senate seat that changed hands. Of course, Governor Walker was recalled and uh, beat back that recall uh, in the same percentage or even one percentage point higher than he had won in two thousand ten. So. Um, uh, uh, all the best, Jennifer. But this does leave the, uh, I think, the Democratic Party in a, uh, a challenging circumstance. Um, but then uh, uh, the 2020 elections uh, are, are already disrupted um, with the uh, uh, the epidemic that we're we're confronting. Um, so. Just uh, one more monkey wrench in the works here. Yeah, we're, we'll, and we'll get to that in a minute. The the idea that lacrosse is changing polling places, the Mayor Tim Cabot, a proclamation, an emergency proclamation today. Uh, we can get to all that with Viterbo political scientist Keith Knutson. Uh, if you want to get in, text, call the Sugarloaf Ford Talk and text line 608 785 7914. All right, we're going to go to Drew in the, new, in the news, and then we'll be back after this on Wisdom. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Dr. Keith Knutson, political science professor at Viterbo University, uh, homeschooling now. He's uh, online schooling and still doing the radio show from somewhere south of Lacrosse. Uh, along with the Jennifer Schilling news, uh, the city of Lacrosse big proclamation today from Mayor Tim Cabot, declaring a state of emergency for the city. The city is reducing the polling sites from thirteen down to eight to protect people, poll workers, staff amid this COVID-19 crisis. If you want to go check out uh, the the new polling places, which is pretty important to do, uh, go to wisdomnews.com and check it out. Uh, Keith, how, how big is that? Just like we're days away from this thing and we're, we're changing polling places and do, does the state need to just take over here and, and, and maybe, I don't know what, what, what are, what are our options? Well, state leaders uh, have uh, agreed with the position I expressed a, a week ago that we should go forward with the April 7th date. And uh, um, here's where uh, your radio station and the local newspaper, our news sources, uh, play a vital role in the functioning of our uh, democratic system. That is providing uh, people who do want to vote with the information as to where are the new sites and uh, how, how people can get their voting uh, uh, accomplished uh, on, on Election Day. Uh, so thanks to uh, WISM, uh, La Crosse Tribune, and other news sites uh, doing this, this public service, which is one of the things we expect out of uh, our, uh, our own news sources. Yeah, even bigger, even maybe bigger news uh, for those who are a little nervous about going to now eight poll- polling places instead of 13. Uh, a judge ruled today, I think a federal judge, ruled that they're going to extend the deadline for requesting an absentee ballot until tomorrow. So Friday at 5 p.m., everybody who wants to get an absentee ballot can still do so. 
And the the federal judge also also ruled that they're going to extend the deadline for when to return these absentee ballots. And that deadline is going to be April 13th at 4 p.m. Keith, was the, the deadline to return absentee ballots election day before that? I guess I don't know that off the top of my head. I, I think so. Uh, I'm not so familiar with those laws, but uh, uh, the idea would be that people wouldn't turn in ballots after the actual, actual voting had taken place and the um, results had been announced. Uh, so uh, I think, uh, remember our first uh, Democratic uh, nominating uh, uh, state, uh, Iowa, uh, results uh, took a week to get uh, after, uh, after the um, caucuses were held. Uh, on our statewide election now, we're going to have to be patient to wait for the results to come in one week after the election day. Yeah, another another little caveat to this extending the deadline to return absentee ballots until uh, April 13th at 4 p.m. is there are no requirements that the ballots be postmarked by election day. So I guess right. as long as they get to where they got to get to by April 13th, uh, we're good to go. So you uh, really you could you could vote after ele- after the election, kind of right? Um, yes, you could postmark your, your you you could mail it uh, after the election, and uh, presumably the U.S. mail would get it there in time. I think people would be uh, well advised to get this done as soon as possible. Um, but uh, this is the adaptability required when we face a, an extraordinary circumstance like this. Uh, coronavirus pandemic we're confronting this is a little bit i mean this this is just me thinking out the time i had the the way the presidential democratic presidential nomination process happens is we start in iowa and and by the time we get to wisconsin a bunch of these these nominees have dropped off you know we're down to two now um and and people in iowa are probably like well i voted for so and so and they're not even in the race anymore i want to vote again well now here in in wisconsin if you don't have to vote until if you don't have to get your absentee ballot back until april 13th you could kind of hold out and be like if they're announcing the results on election day which uh, you well, know I, they're I going to be i don't think those announce i don't i can't imagine those um results are going to be announced rick you don't think um, so because it would be interesting to see like okay people who voted in person this is where everybody stands and then everyone oh my gosh i gotta go and vote for so and so look there you know but you would have have had to have had your absentee ballot already because you only have until tomorrow to get it 5 p.m. So anyway, just uh, you, you, you would have to have had the ballot, but I, uh, I I think absentee ballots have not been accepted after our voting days. Right so in the in the past, I, I don't think the I don't think the actual uh, in place uh, voting um, on election day. I don't know this, but I can't imagine it's going to be announced if if the judge has already. Uh, determined that people will be able to turn in absentee ballots or they'll be accepted up until April 13th at 4 p.m. Yeah, I mean, that. so that would make it, uh, you know, we we hold the results until April, April 13th at whatever, after 4 p.m. because everyone's going to wait until 4 p.m. Okay, here's the deadline now. If I got any, I, you know, I'll have to finish my count now, maybe right. 5 p.m. April 13th. But, uh, Man, it would be it would be interesting to do it like this because uh, you know then there's a score. Hey, first quarter's up. We got a week yet. You know, uh, so <laughs> well, I, Biden's I, up. I can't imagine it'll work that day, but I will say Iowa has probably been a pretty good lesson uh, for our society in learning uh, patience in election outcomes. Of course, we could go all the way back to the presidential election of 2000 when it took the U.S. Supreme Court to uh, 
end the vote recounting in Florida and determine if George W. Bush uh, won the 2000 presidential election. Okay, uh, Phil texted in. He goes, "Why are you wasting people's times with absentee? I'm wasting people's times with absentee ballots or absentee fill because a judge ruled today that they're extending the deadline until tomorrow. If you were listening, 5 p.m. tomorrow you have until to get your absentee ballot." Uh, Tim texted in Keith and said, uh, "Why don't you run for a shilling seat?" <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks for that offer, uh, Tim. But uh, uh, I'm sure there are well qualified uh, people who've been operating within. The political system in some way, shape, or form. As a political scientist, I've had the uh, the pleasure to make commentary on politics, but I have not served in a public office. And I think uh, some element of service is uh, uh, a good uh, a good background for someone to run for office. I'm going to make the assumption that this question is right down your wheelhouse here. Andrea texts in uh, for you, Professor. Will the election outcome be different? Based on votes cast any one way versus another, so if the if the, if we were under normal circumstances, perhaps everybody would go to the ballots, go to their election you know stations and and vote on election day. Versus now, we're probably seeing a lot more absentee absentee ballots ballots come in. Um, do you see is this is absentee ballots versus voting in person? Is it a Republicans do this, Democrats do that? Would you see the election outcome be any different one way or the other? Um, I'm sorry, I don't know that, but I, I do know that uh, um, in the stimulus package we talked about last week, uh, President Trump uh, afterward uh, uh, kind of, um, I'm going to say, complained about uh, the Democrats uh, at the national level trying to get all kinds of money into uh, voter turnout and, and, and support for electioneering. And, and the president's comment was the Democrats wanted to get so many people voting that uh, no Republican could actually get elected if so many people would turn out to vote. Uh, now, I'm not claiming that President Trump is a, a student of uh, electioneering or politics, and well, he's won an election, which is more than what I've ever done. But uh, I think the general uh, interpretation is that um, uh, the more we encourage people to vote, uh, then potentially there's greater opportunity for uh, Democratic candidates to vote. The Republican Party in Wisconsin with voter ID talking about uh, voter fraud, which uh, all the uh, uh, investigations into potential voter fraud, uh, there's almost none of that. Um, uh, from, from the president's own mouth, it would seem to indicate that uh, maybe the more people, the more we encourage and allow and uh, uh, facilitate people to vote, uh, maybe the uh, greater disadvantage to the president's own party. Um, we did have that uh, Trump advisor, what was that, back in December, caught on tape saying that, you know, essentially saying voter suppression is the way Republicans can win. If anyone wants to Google that, uh, voter suppression caught on tape, uh, that was a story amid, right before, right around Christmas time. Um, One of our own members of Congress from Wisconsin, Glenn Grothman, was. Uh, uh, quoted as saying something to that effect. Um, so uh, it, it's a good idea if uh, that is the strategy for people not to say it um, so that it's going to be publicly recorded and uh, uh, the voters get a drift of what the intention might be in some of these um, efforts at uh, making it tougher to vote. Yeah, okay, so you, you kind of brought this up. Oh, you know what? I 
Grant, is Eric still there? We can go to Eric from Sparta. I think he's waiting patiently on Should hold. be. Yeah, Eric, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, go ahead, Eric. Yeah. You're on with Keith. Yeah, this uh, uh, this political stuff you guys are talking about is all all coming straight from the far left. And number one, I got two things. Jennifer Schilling, too bad. Steve Doyle, too bad. Uh, Dan Kapanke, good. I already had the Epstein Bellic Sciatica. I, I said that in, and I guess you know what I was voting for there. And one more thing about this coronavirus. I called all my, all of them. The uh, national senators, my two national senators, I called uh, local Republicans. It's called Jennifer Schilling's office. Nobody talked to me except for the Republican ones. They would. And I want to tell them about this, uh, this uh, coronavirus and these masks that people... People need uh, doctors, nurses, and stuff. They need them more. But I think there might be a little bit of a question between uh, what is uh, more important: stopping it at the source amongst the people, or giving it giving it to the uh, doctors and nurses and stuff. There's a little bit of balance there. And I, the reason I have, the reason I call is because I tried to call these people. They should be a massive campaign to, to strip these. At least twenty to twenty-five masks to every person in the in this Wisconsin in, in their districts and stuff, so they can go to Walmart and have some sense of security instead of waiting for they get get to go have to go to the hospital because they don't know what's going on. Okay, you understand that, Eric? We don't want people going to Walmart. Stay home. Only go if you have to go get groceries. So, hey, um, you know, Rick, the, the CDC did. Uh, um, I read uh, a story of their weighing the advisability of trying to encourage um, all Americans who go out in public uh, wearing a, a mask. Um, so uh, I think Eric has a, a point that is uh, uh, germane to our public concern. How, how, how much public interaction can we engage in, and just how does this virus uh, spread? Is it through the air, or is it... Uh, uh, physical, and I'd leave all of that to the to the medical profession, um, and uh, therefore it's a good idea for us to uh, try to pay attention to what our health experts are telling us about what is safe and what might keep us safe. But I'll leave that to the health experts. Yeah, it's an airborne virus, and but it lives on surfaces for yeah. certain surfaces. It depends on the surface for, for days. So if somebody coughs on their hand and then goes and touches a handrail at the, you know, wherever, out in public, uh, it can live on that surface if it's not, if that handrail isn't cleaned, yeah. and then you use that handrail, and then you scratch your nose, and, and perhaps then you have, you have ingested whatever, the virus or whatever. So uh, it's just, you know, wearing masks, you know, <laughs> I don't think there are a whole lot of masks to wear. Masks aren't airtight, so wearing masks is just like a, a little bit of a, you know, like if you want to, if you want to do, it, I don't think it's going to kill you, but I don't, I don't think it's going to solve the problem either. Um, all right, so what do we got? We got a, we got a break for news. We're going to hit Scott's comment on the news. We'll come back with Keith Kudutsa, Viterbo political science professor. After this. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914. The Sugarloaf Ford Talk and Text Line if you want to get in here and speak with me. I don't know why you'd want to talk to me, but also the Turbo Political Scientist, uh, Keith Knutson is on. Uh, two, two big stories today. 
uh, Senate Minority Leader in Wisconsin, Jennifer Schilling, has announced she is not seeking re-election after she had filed her papers. You know, uh, what in, back in February uh, to run against Dan Kopenke. Also, Wisconsin, uh, the city of La Crosse has declared a, a state of emergency and and changed its polling places just days before the election, down from from thirteen down to eight polling places. Check wisdomnews.com for that story. And on top of that, absentee ballot deadline has been extended until tomorrow, 5 p.m. If you want to get an absentee ballot, you have until tomorrow. And the date to return that absentee ballot is now extended a week, 4 p.m., April 13th. And there's no requirement that the ballot be postmarked by Election Day. Uh, Keith, this all seems to be a whirlwind right before, (laughs) days before an election, and kind of an important election, too, at that. Well, it is on the Democratic side, of course, a presidential primary, and the Marquette Law School poll just showed uh, uh, Joe Biden making a, uh, a quantum leap. And that poll, uh, uh, we'll see if the election holds true. Um, four years ago, Bernie Sanders beat Hillary Clinton here in Wisconsin, um, and uh, the, uh, the Marquette poll uh, had uh, uh, Biden at, what, 60 percent, and Sanders at 38 percent, I think. Yeah, the, and last month it was it was flipped. I think more more candidates were on the ballot last month. Probably, uh-huh. uh, Bernie Sanders was beating Biden back in February, twenty nine to twenty nine percent to fifteen percent. So obviously, a lot of those percentages must have went to other candidates. Um, right. Yeah, and this whole health pandemic. I wonder if we started over. I don't. I don't know if I want to get into. Uh, you know, like it, it, how how. How crazy is it with this whole pandemic? And, and you know, if we started over, the whole the whole voting might change. I mean, this stuff just ha- just thrown in right in the middle of this election. Well, yeah, well, these uncontrollable circumstances that can uh, have the significant impacts on political election outcomes. Uh, the the reversal uh, of, of the polling for Biden uh, versus Sanders. Uh, of course, Biden's the presumed nominee now, but he hasn't you know, absolutely wrapped it up. We've got to get through more primary elections in order for that to actually happen. But it seems to me an indication that um, where Sanders four years ago uh, had a strong showing in Wisconsin, uh, one wonders if that was as much a, a rejection of Hillary Clinton by uh, Wisconsin voters as it was a um, a vote for Sanders. Uh, I might have presumed that Sanders and his democratic socialism would be uh, somewhat attractive right now uh, when we're going through this this healthcare crisis um, with the pandemic, and and people might be looking to uh, Bernie's uh, universal healthcare coverage. Yeah, and yeah, the idea well, that that we so, don't we don't have uh, we we don't have any idea. You know, if we 100,000 to 240,000 people might die from this virus, how many people are going to get it? We have no idea, you know, if we have to go to the hospital, how much treatment's going to cost, what's going to happen to us. If anything happens to us, the symptoms might be so low that we can just hang out at home and kind of wait it out. But uh, for other people, I've seen a lot of stories. Their bill for coronavirus treatment is, uh, you know, around, you know, these are very outliered stories, I'm guessing, I'm hoping. Uh, but like $30,000 for coronavirus treatment. I asked the health department director of La Crosse County yesterday, you know, if I went to get a coronavirus test, if I went through all the steps and they said, come on down and get a test, whether it's Gunderson or Mayo, I asked her, you know, are those tests free? She didn't have an answer for me. Um, So I don't even know if the tests are free if we're going down. 
uh, you, you know, to get those tests. So uh, yeah. the, the whole idea that, hey, I might get this virus and along with anything else that I would have to go to the hospital for. And and uh, I have no idea if I'll be able to afford to uh, to to get health care coverage on it. Well, I, I think uh, I'll get back to that in a moment. But uh, on the Democratic electorate uh, in Wisconsin, it would seem that um, these vo- uh, the polling is indicating that voters are turning to, uh, uh, I'm going to call Joe Biden, a steady, reliable uh, hand, as opposed to the uh, uh, the more revolutionary outlook of, of Bernie Sanders. So in a time of uh, pandemic crisis, people would seem to be turning to the uh, the steadier candidate. One more element into this mix of what you were just talking about, Rick, the Trump administration is uh, not uh, opening up the Obamacare uh, insurance exchanges. And so even fewer people are going to have health insurance uh, as a result of that. And yeah, a lot uh, of, a lot we of people... do know that health care is uh, uh, often on a polling uh, list. It's the top concern for many voters in the United States. Yeah, a lot of people losing their jobs and getting laid off, and then, you know, a month from now, their health insurance is gone because everybody's dependent on health insurance that's tied to their job. That's how we keep people in line uh, and, and not from experimenting and getting other jobs. And, and now, now we're going we're gonna to all lose our jobs and the Affordable Care Act deadline or a, a new deadline or to reopen it so people can apply to get health insurance. We're not going to do that. So you guys just, you know, good luck. Have fun. Hope you don't lose your job and then lose your health insurance. Yeah, well, hopefully we're not all going to lose our jobs, but uh, uh, we're, we're ticking up with the unemployment rate. And I've seen projections of uh, uh, maybe as high as 10%, which is uh, we almost got to that out of the 2008 Great Recession. Um, and so uh, I can't help but imagine uh, but that health care and health insurance is going to become uh, – a big issue in the fall campaign uh, once again. And, of course, President Trump ran against Obamacare, um, has now had three and a half years in in office, and uh, uh, no significant uh, improvements in health care coverage. And uh, with closing down the Obamacare exchanges, uh, uh, even diminishment of Americans' access to health insurance. Uh, So that. Uh, undoubtedly is going to become an, a, a big issue in the fall campaign. Yeah, not to mention that the the, the the lawsuit, I think, in Texas to try to just get rid of it altogether. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah. That, there's so many so many uh, things surrounding health care, and it's just pretty obvious that we, we probably all need to be under uh, some type of coverage as this pandemic spreads. Um, I know Grant and I were talking the other day, and in, in terms of how this election is playing out, Democratic nomination process, with you, you talk about Bernie still being alive. There's two of you. Bernie is still alive in this, it, it, even though if, if from most of the things you read, it's Joe Biden. Even the Marquette poll says Joe Biden, but that's obviously polling people uh, that are using landlines and cell phones. Grant brought this up as as New York is swept by this pandemic, and, and it, it, it's the hardest hit in the United States, as the United States has more cases of coronavirus than any other country in the world. We're number one there. All right, way to be. Um, but Grant brought up how Governor Cuomo in New York is, 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 is kind of, you know, taking this on. He seems to be somebody that's 
displaying a lot of leadership. Grant, you kind of you kind of wondered, could, can Cuomo get into this race, right? Well, yeah, I don't know how the logistics, like I know there's, a, and this is maybe where I'll show my inexperience with politics, but there's such thing as a contested convention and there's and there's a couple different ways that it can go if the, the leading candidate isn't doing great or nobody loves one particular candidate. I guess, Keith, I just want to ask you, Biden seems to be the guy. I don't know if a lot of people are happy about that, but is there a possibility that they could call an audible near the end of this thing or even closer to the convention? I know it's been moved back, but Andrew Cuomo, a lot of people have been talking about him. I saw Joe Rogan last week said, why not give this guy a try? I guess I was wondering about the logistics of that. That doesn't seem too likely to me, Grant. Um, uh, Of course, uh, things are possible, but... um, Joe Biden is on the ballot along with Bernie Sanders. Well, there might still be some other people on the ballot, but they're, um, they've already dropped out. So I think the Democratic Party is going to be making his choice between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, and a smart money at this stage of the game is betting on Joe Biden. Um, uh, so I don't, I don't see how that's going to change. My point earlier was uh, the contest is not over. Theoretically, statistically, it is possible for Sanders to still win enough delegates uh, to win the nomination, um, highly unlikely, but it's still possible. So the this race has got to be uh, concluded. And uh, with the, uh, the way Biden has been performing in primaries up until uh, next week, Tuesday in Wisconsin, sure. uh, I think, uh, I think Biden uh, has a, a, a fairly secure uh, grip on the nomination. But again, I, I, I think it's important to note he does not have that nomination yet. That's why the, the process needs to play be played out. I think even uh, Cuomo has uh, uh, kind of poo-pooed this idea that he would be a, um, a presidential candidate or a vice presidential uh, running mate with Biden. Of course, Biden in the last debate uh, did say that he would select a, a female uh, as his uh, running mate, and uh, uh, I think Biden has every intention of fulfilling that promise. Rick, can I ask can I ask Keith one follow up before we before we take a break? Yeah, definitely. Go I, ahead. To to kind of bounce off that idea, Keith, I, I'm interested because you you just said well Biden doesn't have it locked up. He he's he has a secure lead. It looks like he's going to be the nominee. There's not a great possibility that that Sanders passes him or they go in a different direction. So Keith, especially in Wisconsin, when we vote in April, I, I guess people my age, um, and I'm 22, like we're. we're probably is a little bit more difficult to get us to vote. Like I got a call from, from somebody reminding me to vote. Like, like I think my generation needs to be uh, convinced to go vote a little bit more than maybe other generations. This looks all but decided to us. So if, if we want to go, like, why should we go vote? I guess that's my question because a lot of people my age are saying, well, it's decided Biden's the guy and it's so late in the process now that our vote doesn't mean anything. What would you say to people who, who carry that belief? Well, I think just on uh, basic principles, it's important to have the conviction uh, to participate in our own electoral process, this this democratic voting thing. Um, but if you're uh, uh, inclined to be uh, uh, favorable to Bernie Sanders and uh, a democratic socialist, well, then I think it's important to express that, that conviction. Um, there are... 330 million of us as Americans, I think there are something like 160 million voters. I think I'm close on that number. It can be, uh, we can feel drowned out by those large numbers, but somehow, some way, we need to retain our sense of 
individual importance, and one way of doing that is by actually casting a ballot. Uh, the nom- the nomination process right now between Biden and Sanders. Biden has twelve hundred and seventeen delegates. Sanders has nine hundred and fourteen in a race to, I believe, nineteen hundred and ninety one. So Biden's got like a three hundred point lead in a race to nineteen hundred. Uh, with what is are we at, are we a little over halfway, Keith? You think through the the voting process? Um, yes, I, uh, on the calendar, on the total number of delegates, I'm not quite certain. Um, maybe not even quite halfway from the numbers your delegates declared um, two thousand three hundred and two. Yeah. We're at two thousand. Right. So so roughly we're halfway through. Sure. Um, all right. We're going to take another quick break. Uh, just just to, uh, to 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 in in regards to Cuomo. Uh, well, now I forgot his first name because I'm looking at Andrew, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York. His brother Chris Cuomo is a journalist on TV, and those two guys have some of the funniest conversations. But Chris Cuomo kept asking Andrew about running for president, and Andrew kept going no. And then Chris would ask another question and and word it a different way, and Andrew would go no. And have you thought about this? Chris would say, and Andrew would go no. So the idea that Andrew Cuomo would be running for president in 2020. Or, or the thought that he's thinking it about it at all. He kept saying no over and over again. So uh, maybe maybe stop hoping, Grant. But all right, we're going to take a, a quick break, and we'll wrap up after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. A couple minutes left, about seven minutes left in the show. If you want to get in here, 608-785-7914. Phil just text me, Keith. Uh, Keith Knutson, Viterbo political science professor. Donald Trump just said that anyone that gets the uh, virus and needs health care coverage, uh, uh, Trump's going to send him a check. Uh, that He says it's a lie about medical insurance and, and not knowing uh, you know how you're going to be covered. He, Phil texted in. He said that he said that Trump just said this. So Trump's apparently doing his pre- his two and a half hour press conference today. Phil says Trump has pledged to send a check to any person without medical insurance who incurs medical costs concerning the virus from China, which sounds like me. I'm going to get rid of my health insurance then, because um, if I have to use my health insurance to um, get the virus, my deductible is so high that I'm not going to be able to afford it anyway. So if I get rid of my health insurance, then I'll just wait for Trump to send me that check. How's that sound? Um, I don't know that I would advise you to do that, Rick. What? Um, but Trump just pledged to send a check to any person. Phil texted it to me. He said it. Mm. Trump said it 10 minutes ago. So Trump's going to send everyone a check without medical insurance. So everyone get rid of your insurance who gets the virus. Quick, do it. I think, I think the country would be... Uh, much better off with a secure health insurance delivery system that covers all of our people um, and not be dependent upon the uh, the beneficence of uh, uh, Donald Trump or any other wealthy individual American. Um, President Trump may be wealthy, but I can't imagine he can afford to cover the cost of uh, even coronavirus uh, testing for all the uninsured Americans in the United States. Um, just, uh, to recap a little bit, a couple of big stories, Senator, state Senator Jennifer Schilling announced today she's not seeking reelection. She's been in the government. She's been, you know, in politics for 20 years, started as, uh, as a Senator back in 2011 when she overtook Dan Kempenke in a, in a uh, recall election. And then she beat him again by 56 votes in 2016. Right. Uh, we talked to Brad talked to, now I just forgot his name on Alaska, Steve Doyle. Steve Doyle, on Alaska Assemblyman Steve Doyle, who said he's thinking about running for that seat, but Doyle also said he will be on the ballot one way or another. So, uh, and and uh, 
Also, on top of that, Mayor Tim Cabot and Lacrosse declared a state of emergency for the city of Lacrosse. They're they're taking down um, what five polling places, slimming that up to eight polling places. Go to wisdomnews.com to check out you know where all those polling places are. And on top of that, you have until 5 p.m. tomorrow to request an absentee ballot. Keith, the idea that we're going to slim down from 13 to eight polling places. Um, it just feels like more people will be at more polling places and we should have 50 polling places and then, uh, we'll spread out the people. That's how you, you, uh, you spread people out is have more polling places, not less. How well, about I'm that not for privy to these discussions, but I, <laughs> there's been a lot of, uh, coverage about how challenging it's going to be to get people to work at the polling places. That might've been one element of the calculation, I even read that Governor Evers was considering calling out National Guard members to cover polling places. I don't know if that's happening or not. Uh, but I, I think I think one of the challenges uh, is to provide uh, polling workers and polling places that are going to be secure as regards the um, the, the, the uh, virus challenge that we're facing. Um, all right, so you have about two minutes here, Keith. There's there's another thing on this ballot. Uh, do we can we do we even have time to get into the? Is it Marcy's law? Is it is that is that what it is? is yes, that- uh, uh, a, a state referendum uh, encouraging uh, uh, families and victims of um, crime to be made aware of. Uh, I'm just going to say the release from prison of the perpetrator of a crime against an individual or a, fa- a family member. Um, and uh, uh, that uh, it, it's been an issue for some 20 years. Uh, many of these things start out in California as propositions. And so uh, voters here in Wisconsin have a chance to, uh, to weigh in on uh, uh, it's part of a victim's rights movement that uh, has uh, swept through our country now for again a couple of decades or so yeah i've tried to to read some about it and i just it, it's very it, it, it looks very confusing and some some people say that it's worded in a way that's not going to help victims other people say i think you say that it might help victims um and i i the way the way it looks to me and i don't have to vote on this because i'm not voting in wisconsin but um uh, it just—it's one of those things where I'm like, man, it's worded in such a way that it, you need to dumb it down a little bit more for me to figure it out, and and maybe I just need to read more about it too. Well, uh, yes, I, I I don't want to advise uh, anyone on how to vote, but um, I think my depiction was a fair uh, depiction of what the intention is. Uh, but for these ballot uh, uh, issues, um, it is important to actually read them ahead of time so that we know what we're going to be voting on. Uh, because of the legal nature of, of, of something like this, it's, it's uh, worded to some extent, uh, as you're referencing, Rick, in legalese. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm not in a position to, uh, to advise voters on, on how to read that ballot. Yeah, in, in, regards to, in regards to my polling places going from 13 down to 8 and the absentee deadline being uh, extended through 5 p.m. tomorrow, so if anyone wants to get an absentee, ballot you can still do that till 5 p.m tomorrow libertarian guy texts in and he he texts me a, a bunch of stuff but uh he did text in due to absentee ballots there will be fewer people at the polls hence they can downsize the number of polling places that seems to make sense um i i was i was a li- being a little bit sarcastic in that we should you know boost the number of of polling places but um 
Yeah. All right, Keith. Thanks you, a lot. You know, Rick, I've been doing this with you for a year, and I must say, a libertarian guy regularly texts or calls in with some very sage advice, and yeah. I want to thank you. All right. See you guys.